It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. Another day, another game for the Warriors. They won 119-111 in Atlanta against the Hawks. A pretty interesting game because it went differently than expected kind of throughout. So early on, the game was in many ways dominated by Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder was fantastic offensively in the first half. It felt, as somebody who watches a lot of the Hawks, it felt unsustainable because a lot of how it was happening was not as much dribble penetration, which he can do from time to time and create for other people. It's actually how he's done well against the Warriors at times in the past. A lot of this was outside shooting, and Schroeder is not a great outside shooter. He was four of six in the first half, and the Warriors struggled in the first quarter. They were down seven, couldn't really find a rhythm, starters versus starters, and then other actually other than when Zaza Pachulia was in the four, they were a little little bit better but they couldn't really find a rhythm there so start of the second quarter thinking well this is the unit that struggled against the Knicks especially in that's in the second they were better in the fourth and the Hawks they have an inconsistent backup group but Tim Hardaway Jr. has done well Arisanio Silva's doing well now there since he since he got added at the deadline and that got compounded by Clay Thompson coming in with that group and picking up both his second and third fouls in that first few minutes. So kind of saying they're going, oh, well, maybe the wheels are going to come off. The Hawks are doing well. They have a they have a, a raucous home crowd. And the Warriors were able to keep it pretty even during that point. I think the lead went from seven at the start of the second quarter to nine when Curry came in. And I think that was only because the Hawks scored right at the end, right before Curry came in. And that might not sound great, you know, it might not sound like a huge thing, but it is really important considering how much better the Warriors' offense looks when Curry's on the floor, particularly now with Kevin Durant out. And those units keeping it close, two points here, two points there, either direction, is more than enough, especially when you consider that what happened after that. So at that point, you know, still, you know, a small, uh, eh, you know, not, not, I think it was a nine-point lead for the Hawks. Warriors then cut it down. Pushed, pushed the lead to five at halftime. They actually got it as close as three, and that was more starters versus starters. Not entirely, but pretty close. And then they just went on this absolute tear at the beginning of the third quarter, which swung the game, not only because they were better and they took the lead, but because it also helped 
create the fissure between Dennis Schroeder and Mike Budenholzer. Apparently what happened was they had this really bad stretch to start it and they called a timeout and Budenholzer said something to Schroeder and Schroeder snapped back at him and Budenholzer is, you know, he's he's one of those coaches and I, I don't criticize him for this, who is doesn't take that very well and who has trying to was trying to teach him a lesson. So Schroeder had 23 points at halftime and ended the game with 23 points because he did not come back in the rest of this game. And it was not a circumstance where his replacement, Malcolm Delaney, was playing so well that they couldn't afford to take him out or anything like that. They just did not want to bring Dennis Schroeder back in the game. And I still think the Warriors would have won even if that dynamic hadn't shifted so catastrophically for the Hawks as it did in this game. But it certainly made it easier because Schroeder was the linchpin of their offense for the most part. And one of the interesting stats that I, I didn't necessarily notice this live, but definitely found it, found it interesting, was that Zaza Pachulia is a pretty good calibrator for the early starter versus starter stretch. So beginning of the first, beginning of the third. And when he was on the floor, though that includes that great third quarter stretch, the Warriors defended at a, at a really high level, 91 points per 100 possessions, and they scored well too. A lot of that, as I said, is, is the third quarter when they went on, I think it was a 16-4 to run in that at the beginning of the third quarter, which really blew the game open, and it extended, I think it was 24-10 at about the seven-minute mark, which is probably about when Pachulia came out, so... Big stretch there, did a nice job, but in the in the first quarter, that wasn't really where the problems came. It was a little bit later, they, they struggled to keep pace offensively, but all of that is really kind of part and parcel to what the Warriors need. So they play well in that third quarter, they get to make adjustments, even with Durant out, they still have superior talent, top five versus top five, you know, generally speaking. And if they can get enough from the backups to make it so that those minutes will decide the game, they're fine. And in this one, they got quality contributions from a few different bench players, which I thought were significant. So Andre Iguodala had the least Andre Iguodala game that he has had in recent times because he was great as a scorer, was solid defensively, but also got pretty much killed in plus minus considering the way the game turned out. So he had 24 points, six of eight from the field, four of six from three, and a huge eight for 11 from the line. This was actually 24 points was the most points that Iguodala has scored since game six, the deciding game of the 2015 finals when he had 25. That was a big part of why he won finals MVP. Everybody focuses on the defense for a good reason, because that was why he was in the conversation. But him scoring 26 points in the, or 25 points in the deciding game played a factor in that. And Iguodala can score, you know, when he's confident in his shot, he's looked better athletically over the last few weeks. And that's really impressive in this game, because as as Andrew Slater pointed out, this was the first time since December of 2015 that Iguodala has played more than 31 minutes or more in consecutive games. And this was more than consecutive games. This was a road back-to-back. And so the Warriors and the coaching staff should not be considering this standard operating procedure for Iguodala while Duran is out. You don't really want to put that on his back because Iguodala is an essential part of what the Warriors do, second unit, first unit, wherever you really want to put him in. His 25, 30 minutes are 
irreplaceable. They don't have anybody. Matt Barnes did an all right job in this game. I thought he was better, even though his stat line didn't look great. I thought he looked better than he did against the Knicks. And they don't have somebody else who can really do that. So you don't want to work Iguodala too hard. We saw in the finals what happened when Iguodala did not look right. That was an underappreciated factor in the collapse at the very end of the NBA finals. So he is one part of that support story. Another one is Ian Clark. I thought Clark looked really good in this game. I pointed out in my uh, every player stuff for the the Knicks game on on the athletic app that Clark looked more assertive and he had a couple nice dribble drives in that game and he needs to do that with this group with these lineups because they don't have a ton of creation and so he was a beneficiary of Clay Thompson picking up those two fouls early in the second quarter kind of sitting there going oh their offense is going to fall off a cliff Clark was a big part of what made that work he had seven points in that quarter did a nice job being active I didn't notice him particularly defensively which for Clark is a good thing you know other than that real standout performance he had in Portland he's been better you know his high watermark is usually you know not being a problem and that's fine they the Warriors don't need him to be dominant defensively especially in those units considering they usually have Andre Godala and Draymond Green at the bare minimum David West usually as well West played well in this game too so you have Clark that did well West that did well and then while he's a starter nominally in these games this was also a very encouraging performance from Patrick McCaw McCaw really did his offensive damage during the early part of the third quarter as a part of that Warriors run. He hit two threes, and then Draymond hit one, and Curry hit one. And McCaw taking and making those shots is really all the Warriors need from him offensively other than moving the ball and making reasonable decisions. And in the Knicks game, it was a a growing concern. He didn't start that one, but it was a growing concern that when he was on the floor, he was being overly deferential, overly hesitant shooting because if defenses realize that and are able to adjust their tactics, it takes away the benefit of having a guy who can shoot. And then you start to get into other issues. So I thought McCall was active defensively as well. Not perfect, but better than he's been in some other games. And the offensive part, even if it wasn't a quick burst, certainly a welcome addition. He also had seven rebounds, which is nice. And I'm sure Coach Kerr is happy that the starters only had seven turnovers in this game. They ended up getting 14 as a team, but only seven of those came from the starting five. So I think they can deal with that. And three of them were Matt Barnes, two of which were on absolutely abysmal passes. I think the word somebody used on Twitter was ambitious. Ambitious is certainly a way of talking about it, but generally speaking, ambitious passes by guys who are not good passers is not a good strategy. That said, Barnes had maybe the best assist I've ever seen from him, where he had a behind-the-back pass kind of in traffic. I think it was to Iguodala. And Curry is actually a good example of this because sometimes he overuses behind-the-back passes, but really what you're trying to do is use it to create either an angle or a delayed reaction that would not be there if the passes if you try to do the pass straight. So it's kind of the equivalent of a no look in that way where it keeps the other team off rhythm and that's where it drives its value. That's really what happened on that play because he was cut, kind of cutting across the lane. The angle wouldn't have been there, especially because if he pulled the ball in front of him, it might have gotten stripped. So he went behind the back, got it to Guadala, and I cannot remember for the life of me if it, if it was a dunk or if it was a foul, but either way, it was a really nice play. And 
<laughs> then the next one he had was just like a rifle through three guys, which got stolen, of course. So Barnes is still going to have to figure all of that out. Also avoid, I, I, I snarked on this during the game. He had one nasty, the first turnover he had was a telegraph pass where it's basically staring the guy in the corner down and one of the defenders just went, oh, I know where this is going and just picked it off. The Warriors do that a couple of times a game. It's just the nature of sometimes their plays, especially with more limited guys or single read. It's like, okay, I'm going to give it to this guy and then he's going to do something else. And on single read plays or single read portions of plays more accurately, players get caught in that sometimes because that's when you can jump routes. Drew Holiday is actually great at the reading this in the Warrior system. Darren Collison has had his moments as well. So that it can be a concern, especially when you get into a seven game series, because you can start to see a lot of the different things that a team can run. It's also one of the arguments for running more basic stuff every now and again, because in those circumstances, it's actually a lot harder to stop because it's so basic that you really only have, you only have a couple of reads, but the structure of the play generally means that they have to make a choice and something's going to be open. So I'm an advocate for the Warriors running some generic high pick and roll. Now, this this point, it would be Curry and Draymond with Durant out. Can even do some with Pachulia, of course, and JaVale McGee. So all of that is kind of a long-winded way of saying that this was an overall good performance for the Warriors. It's not this dominant, oh yeah, this, this is how they're going to win playoff games or anything like that. But the Hawks are a good team. They don't have a great home record. I think they're 17 and 15, which for a team that's fifth in the East is not dominant, but they play good defense. They were better offensively in that first half than they almost ever are, and they have a good bench. And the Warriors coming in off of back-to-back, both teams run back-to-backs because the Hawks had a really tough loss to the Pacers on Sunday, and I believe that game was in, was in Atlanta, so they didn't have to travel like the Warriors did. But it's always hard to kind of do that at the end of a road trip it's a tough game they are they got a win in new york so you're kind of saying they're going well you know if we lose this one and when they went down early you know that that was a narrative that could have easily come out of it but instead to a man they brought effort not every player was as great i thought livingston had some nice defensive moments but he's still really forcing the ball in terms of his shot it's kind of like where if he feels it should be there he's going to shoot it anyway and the Warriors don't need that. Even with Durant out, they don't need that from Sean Livingston. He can keep the ball moving, try other things, and while he will have that shot fall eventually, certain nights he probably doesn't need to do that because it doesn't help very much. But today, he was better defensively than he had been against the Knicks and a couple other games. So if he's doing that and not turning the ball over, it's probably enough. So I'm not super concerned about Livingston yet, but I am moderately concerned still just because the through line on how he's going to be a positive player in this is there. It's just not being present consistently enough. And that's part of the reason why I would really enjoy seeing Kerr, especially in these Iguodala green combination bench units, try out McCaw and Clark together just to see if it'll work. Put your, If you're going against backups, you don't need dominant defenders above the spots. Put McCaw on the better backup guard for the other team and put Clark on the worst one, and then however they choose to guard you is, is fine. And then ideally have somebody, David West, somebody else who can shoot out of that, and you can run some cuts, run some movement out of that, because the floor spacing might actually benefit from that, especially if McCaw takes the lessons of this game and uses them to take and make more shots than he has prior. 
So we'll have to see lots of different ways that it can go, but I'm intrigued by the possibilities of what this can mean and the idea that the bench can be a more consistently positive part of this equation. And so while the starters and the bench had their good moments and their bad moments, the the positives were there for both sides against a good team on the road at the end of a road trip. So it's still going to be a really weird stretch for the Warriors because they come home for a game against the Celtics, who just lost to the Clippers tonight. So they'll play on Wednesday. Then they go back out to Minnesota, and then a back-to-back in San Antonio. Tough game. First time the Warriors will have played them since opening night, which is a crazy long gap between these two teams. Spurs are playing very well. So it's a, a, a big week for the Warriors, and we'll have to see what they do with that and what they do with the opportunity. But excited to watch it excited to talk about it and hopefully you are excited as well if you want to support the show you can do that by leaving a rating leaving a review in the podcast player of your choosing you can also subscribe download every episode it's a great way to kind of get in the rhythm and everything like that and while i'd appreciate if you listen to everything the basic way that metrics work is a download helps too so it's not perfect love for you to listen but if you download at least then you know the numbers numbers look good and also if you have any feedback good bad or indifferent danny larue nba at gmail.com or at danny larue on twitter recommend email because i can actually see it it's a lot easier twitter sometimes my mentions get a little bit hectic as you would expect so you can check that out also you can check out my work for the athletic i already wrote my game analysis piece which is which is up on the site every player will be up whenever I get it done, probably tomorrow morning. I'm not exactly sure. Just I have, I'm also doing dunked on and a bunch of other stuff. So it'll be a dunked on. We're probably going to talk about Warriors Hawks a little bit in that. And also I released Real Jam Radio with Tim Bontemps of the Washington Post. We did the tiers of the West and East, started out with the top of the West. So as you'd guess, that was Warriors Conversation, Kevin Durant, everything else. So you can check that out as well. Whatever podcast player you're in, you should be able to find Real GM Radio and the Dunked On Basketball Podcast. So you can check that out too. Lots of good material going on. So I'm going to have something tomorrow. I don't exactly know what, but I'll figure something. I have a couple different ideas. And then I, I might in, I might end up doing a mailbag, but I think if I do that, it might actually be next next week. We'll have to see. I haven't looked at the schedule closely enough to see what's going to work. But then, of course, big games Friday, Saturday. So I'm still trying to figure everything out. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowle. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast 
in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.